Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin, and today... We're going to talk about something that um, is not necessarily controversial, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and there's certainly a, a lot of misinformation about. Okay, now this is a, this is a big one that if are, there are questions upon this or you have questions, comments or concerns, whatever, please go to straightshothealth.com. There's a contact form. You can send them in because I really want to know and understand what people's reasonings are, uh, particularly if you hear what I'm saying and you're like, I don't quite get it or I disagree with you. Um, because this is really important for not only your health, but the health of society. And what we're going to talk about is these these health screenings. And the way this all happened was I was visiting my mother and my mom um, ran off and did something. I was with my kids or whatever. And then we met up later and, and she goes, she wanted to show me what the local hospital was doing. And, and you know, I haven't lived, obviously, at home for many, many years now. It's kind of interesting when you go back and visit family to see what the changes are in a place where you have strong roots. And I definitely have strong roots to home. I, I identify myself despite not having lived in Nevada as a Nevadan, a native Nevadan. And I love my state. I love my hometown. Um, so she was doing this in a way to just kind of keep me cued in and say, hey, look at what, what the changes have been over time. And definitely the hospital where I grew up is getting bigger. They're offering more services, et cetera. Um, and, that, and that can be good and bad. But during the, the during this process, she described that she just went under the screening. I'm like, screening for what? All right. And apparently the hospital there was offering this special, um, what are their heart health? Or I mean, if you look, if you just Google like heart smart or heart health screenings, blah, blah, blah. There's all these hospitals offering this stuff. And it not, it isn't exactly clear. And I've kind of gone through this a lot. That is exactly the hospital or whether they're partnering, partnering with these these organizations, these not organizations, these are businesses that offer these five screening tests and they're, they're ranging in prices from anywhere from $50 to $200 that you pay cash for. And they're really selling this as a quote, preventive screening. Preventive meaning, you know, that key word there that somehow about having these tests, this is going to prevent something bad happening to you. Now, unfortunately for my mom, um, who was, you know, a little optimistic and happy because their results were all good. And, you know, whoever the technologist was that was doing some of these screenings was like, oh, you look great, blah, blah, blah. And that sounds fine. Um, it really upset me. And the reason is, is the these screenings that are offered, and I'm going to talk about them in just a second here, what they are, have not been proven to demonstrate value. I mean, they are not preventive on a wide population based uh, area, meaning that if you take a group of 100 people and we screen them all, yes, you will find some quote unquote disease. I don't even, yeah, disease or, or something being present. But the risks of harm of screening all those people, you may have one person that may have something that you can intervene with, maybe, and we're going to touch on that big maybe there. But you're going to identify another larger percentage of people in that group, let's say, you know, five, 10 out of that 100 that are. Um, going to undergo false worry who are going to now have concerns about this that are going to be going to their doctors uh, you know with this anxiety that's been induced over the screening exam thinking that they're going to drop dead and they're not all right and the, and the key thing with all of this is these are 
screenings for what we call asymptomatic people. Meaning, asymptomatic, you don't have symptoms. Meaning, you are so at this point in time, your body is still compensating if you do have any of this stuff present um, or not, and you are you're basically living your life. You're not you don't have any reason to have this done. Okay. Now, the reason that concept of asymptomatic is important because if I took anybody listening right now and I put you through a battery of tests, blood work and I scanned you from head to tail and I looked in your brain and I looked at your heart and I looked at your liver and your insides and intestines and we did it with x-rays and then we did it with you know CT scans and we did it with uh, MRIs et cetera, et cetera et cetera we're going to find something that is not quote end quote normal in you all right however that abnormal or abnormality end quote end quote may have absolutely no relevance to you um, it may just be completely incidental and more importantly for these screening tests, it may not change what you would do otherwise, meaning um, to actually do prevent something bad happening. Uh, the things that you do to prevent a disease from progressing or getting worse or from causing severe harm to you, those are not things that we and the healthcare community actually do. Okay, Prevention comes from things that you do for yourself. Prevention does not come from things that people do onto you. All right. Um, and we're going to explain that just a little bit here. So let's just talk about the particular test that they do. So this this thing that goes around and you guys may have seen flyers from this. I guess they advertise through hospitals. They um, I was reading some stories that they go to churches and tell people that you're at risk of dying of a stroke if you don't have this crap done. But these tests are generally five. And one of them is a carotid artery and stroke ultrasound. I don't know why they put stroke in there. You're not going to see the stroke on the ultrasound unless you're having one while they do it. But what that basically means is they take they you know lie you down and they take the ultrasound device which uh, they use to sort of look at your blood vessels in your neck in particular the carotid artery and there's two of them one on both sides of your neck and they feed your brain uh, with blood which is important and then they kind of look and make sure whether the pipes those big carotid arteries are basically pipes that go to your head are open meaning they don't have any build up in there like just like old house pipes you know our arteries over time can develop thickening all right Sound on the basis of that sounds okay, but we're going to touch why on with the problems with that. Then they also do something called screening for atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation is an abnormal heartbeat, uh, is when it, you know, normally your heart is going to go thump, thump, and that's because it contracts in a sort of squeezing motion where the top squeezes down and then it squeezes blood into the bottom part of the heart, and the bottom part squeezes that part up and goes into your, into your, uh, rest of your bloodstream. So it has that thump, 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 thump sound. And with, uh, atrial fibrillation, the top of the heart, um, the atria, they, they start they start firing apparently, and so they start going thump 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 thump, and then you get a thump as the bo- larger part of the bottom of the heart will go. So it's a thump 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 bump, and it's um, characteristically known uh, when you learn about this is is it's irregularly irregular, meaning that there is no rhyme or reason with the heartbeat, just sort of kind of goes apparently, apparently it just kind of again dun, dun, it's not the nice thump 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 thump, it's a da thump da thump da thump you know, kind of beats its own drummer in there. So they screen for atrial fibrillation. We're going to talk about that. Then they do screen for something called an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Uh, abdominal, obviously, just referring into your belly area. Aorta is the largest blood vessel in the body. Aneurysm means that um, that 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 aorta, that big blood vessel, it's sort of like your pipe is getting cracks in it, and and not necessarily uh, you know cracks where they're spurting out water in your house, but almost like more like the the uh, 
the pipe is somehow it's getting split down the middle. So like lengthwise down that height is developing a um, kind of a, a split. And so that does is there's now not only water in the middle of the pipe, but there's water in the layers of the pipe itself. Say if you if that um, that pipe had a two different things like an inner layer and an hour later that aren't supposed to have any water in there. You know, in your order, your aorta has different layers of tissue, and if you get blood in between those issues, it starts dissecting it or pulling it apart. And these aneurysms are basically enlargements of that, um, and those can be deadly. And we'll talk about that. But uh, again, the screening for this and this way that they're doing is not appropriate. Um, peripheral vascular disease screening for that is basically meaning, <laughs> you know, if you're looking for these thickenings in the carotid artery, which is a peripheral artery. Uh, screening for peripheral vascular disease, they're now saying they're going to look at other arteries in your body and look for the same thing. Okay. Um, as a side note on this, if you are looking at the carotid artery for for peripheral vascular disease and you and you basically see thickening in the carotid artery, you're going to basically tells you you have peripheral vascular disease anyway. So, you know whether it's in your legs versus arms or whatever, it's 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 if you have it in one place, you're going to have it someplace someplace else. And then the last one is heel bone mineral density, where you stick your heel on these devices, and they are supposed to tell you whether they have osteoporosis or not. Now, all of these by themselves are big, big topics. Um, we're going to try to condense them from now, and we're going to focus more on the ultrasound thing. All right, and the reason we're going to do that is because all of these um, tests have basic recommendations on when they're appropriate or not. Now, the only one I couldn't find is there's really no recommendation at all about just screening asymptomatic. I'm thinking people who aren't complaining of abnormal heart rates, who are not getting dizzy, faint, lightheaded, or anything like that. For asymptomatic people, there's really no recommendation at all on this atrial fibrillation screening. I mean, really, you go to your doctor and they take your pulse and you can tell it. So I'm not exactly sure what the point of that is. But when you look at the carotid ultrasound one, where we're looking at these arteries in your head going to your brain, the recommendations are don't do it for asymptomatic people, okay? People who have no risk factors, people who are not having any symptoms, of which my mom was one of these, all right? Now, people say, well, what's the danger in this? You know, why shouldn't we get this screening device done? That was my mom's comment on this. She was like, well, you know, now she was told, and my mom happens to be in excellent health, and she takes very, very good health care of herself and does all sorts of fantastic things uh, which are much more relevant to her good health than getting these screening exams. But she was like, well, basically, I feel better now that I know this. And that that's okay. But what I came back to is, what if they told you you had a 30% blockage or even a 50% blockage or anything else? Stuff that was just seen on this screening exam but really had no relevance to you because you have no symptoms. Okay. And she goes, well, I would probably change. And I'm like, well, if you if that would make you change your behavior, and we're going to touch on this in a little bit here, then why did you need the screening exam? And she came back with, well, maybe you know you need a push, you need some motivation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now there there are some there there are some um, there is some relevance to that, okay. But the the larger risk is the risk of harm because then people hear this stuff. And you hear that you have a 30, 50, 60% stenosis or, or thickening in that artery there. Um, what I have seen quite a bit of is the people who would get that concerned are obviously thinking that something else needs to be done. Again, done to them, not necessarily done for themselves. Because if you're told you have thickening in your arteries, 
you know, people are going to say, well, should I exercise or not? Is that going to make it worse because I'm going to put more pressure on the, on the vein by exercising, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I need to see a doctor. And the problem is the treatments for this, the stuff that we do for that, particularly what we would call the definitive or the final things that we do when we go in and, and, the, and a vascular surgeon cuts open that artery and basically scrapes it off, off that stuff in there. Um, again, that's not preventive. All right. That is just, uh, you know, it's basically rotor rooting it out. And it is certainly not benign, meaning that particular surgery has high risks. What are the risks? Well, it happens to be the same risk that you're trying to prevent stroke and death. All right. And they're not small risks. So even if you don't have what I would say a large stroke, you can have small little what we call microemboli, which are like little sand pebbles. Uh, when you do this operation that would shower into the head, hitting small vessels. And we don't really measure that that much. Um, the, 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 as I said, the, uh, the operation itself is kind of tricky. You want to make sure you have a good surgeon on there. And they were certainly not something that you'd ever want to have done if you do not need it. In fact, and again, if you are asymptomatic, you, you are not demonstrating any symptoms. You're not, you know, getting, you have not had a stroke. You are not uh, having the, the dizzy symptoms or, you know, what do they call it? Transient ischemic attack where you stand up and they pass out and think they don't think that you've had a stroke, but you've had some sort of event where you had some difficulty with blood through the brain. Um, if you haven't had any of those, basically you're healthy, walking around and you just decide that you're going to, you know what, I feel really good, but I'm going to get the screening test and have them tell me whether there's something wrong with me. Um, you're not going to have the surgery done, or at least you shouldn't have the surgery done. Somebody's going to offer you the surgery for someone who's asymptomatic. Uh, there's some big concerns and there better be some big discussions and hopefully another second opinion from somebody else, preferably not in that same group. Okay. Uh, and if you look at the U.S. Preventive, or preventative Task Force, okay, so this is the group that gets together and they look at routine screening and they're, and they're looking at the overall results of these screening, screening exams. The overall recommendation for these carotid ultrasounds for asymptomatic people is a D. That is basically means they are trying to dissuade or persuade people against having these. These are, these are screening exams that should not be routinely provided because there's fair evidence that doing so um, is not only ineffective, but that the harms potentially outweigh any potential benefit. Okay, meaning that you are at more risk of harm. Again, if you are asymptomatic and then you get really concerned because someone tells you have a thickening in that in that vessel, and then you go off and uh, a surgeon operates on you and you have a stroke from that, um, that's a simple way to say that that's more likely in a lot of these cases to happen than someone being found that has critical stenosis that um, this save their life from. And and that's one of the other problems with the preventative exams. Okay. People say, well, we found it and then they did surgery and they, the doctor said it saved my life. Well, that's not necessarily true. Okay. We can't really predict that. Okay. And then once again, we have to remember that you are asymptomatic. There are a lot of people running around. The human body is remarkably resilient. Okay. It takes a huge amount of abuse which is why we're still living you know, with not moving and eating McDonald's and all that other stuff. And, uh, people, you know, people who can smoke and there's people that live into old age and do all this stuff. Bodies are strong. Um, and so when people get the screening test done, it's really easy to say that uh, as a physician that we did something and we prevented it from occurring, but you may have never, ever, ever had that develop. Again, you're, if you're not having symptoms of four, somehow your body is compensated for 
whatever this process was, if we're talking about your carotid artery so far, and there's a chance that you may never have developed a stroke or died from that anyway. Okay. The other thing to um, think about with this stuff is what are you going to do? So anytime that you're having a test done, and this doesn't go for just screening, this goes for anytime you go to a doctor, you have to consider what is the next step you will do with it. All right. If that test is not going to change anything, is not going to change what we would call the medical management per se, then you don't need it. All right. And um, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. So, so let's say you were, you were 90 years old, okay, and you were getting this carotid ultrasound screening, but you have already made up in your mind that you do not want to take drugs or perhaps you're already on drugs that would would be giving you things like blood pressure medications or blood thinners and things like that, but you've decided you do not want surgery no matter what. In that situation then, why would you have a test to possibly diagnose that you have you know thickening in the artery of which the definitive treatment is surgery? Or now people are the people are threading up these little stent things in there and, and inflating them that also have risks of stroke, et cetera. If you don't want that done, then why get the test? All right. Now, commonly, um, this is not necessarily, a lot of times this will come from your doctor in some way. They'll say, well, we should do the screening and we need to screen for this, et cetera, et cetera. Now, again, they shouldn't be asking, if you are not having any symptoms, they shouldn't be screening you for with carotid ultrasound. Uh, but if there's some risk factor or if you maybe you get busy, lightheaded, and they're talking about it, uh, in that situation where they were talking about screening you for a symptomatic process, you should... Again, ask them, what is the result? What are the results of this test going to do? Will it change the management? All right. And if they say, well, if you get this done, then um, then you're going to need to see a surgeon. If you just, you're like, I don't want to have surgery. I have no intention of doing surgery. I know the risks of surgery, et cetera. Then if it's not going to change that and it's not going to be used to plan for surgery, et cetera, then it's probably a screen that doesn't need to be done. And this relates now to the whole prevention aspect. Okay, so people, these things are all, these are preventive screenings. These are telling us and they're going to prevent something bad happening. Well, if you really, really want to prevent something, you don't go in and you stick a Band-Aid on it. All right. So if you want to prevent your, uh, you know, your toilet from exploding, you're not going to just kind of thread a wire and say it's, say it's plugged up. You got a plugged up toilet. You're not going to st stick a fine little wire and just kind of drill a little hole through it and um, and you know you try to use your bathroom around that. What you're going to do is you're going to try to remove that blockage in such a way, keep that blockage from coming forth again, uh, and make sure the pipes are strong. Now in the body, the the, the what we, you know if we do surgery, et cetera, we're not we don't repair the body. All right, all we're doing is we're going in and unplugging it. But that it doesn't the repairing of the body itself is done from you. And you can repair your body and you can reverse horrible things that have happened to you or, you know, um, uh, atherosclerosis and such in your body through changing your behavior. All right, we don't talk about this as much in medicine. And the reason for it uh, is because um, I don't have a really good reason for it. I think in some ways you know, doctors are frustrated. We think that people aren't willing to actually change. We certainly as a community don't understand behavior change. We certainly don't know how to motivate or help people get motivated to change. And we don't have the tools to provide you to change, you know, lifestyle habits, et cetera. Uh, we neglect. All right. And what we do know is, is just providing you this information saying, well, uh, you have a disease and you need to change your behavior. Otherwise it'll get worse. That by itself doesn't do much for people. Uh, if it did, um, our health system would be much more 
successful than it is. But if you want to actually prevent this stuff from happening, so again, you're going to this screening process, these these five screenings that are again offered wherever, told, telling you that they're going to prevent you from having a stroke or, or a stroke, or they're saying one in ten thousand people have a stroke and they and they never even knew it, and you need this screening exam because it'll tell you you're going to have a stroke again, which is garbage. Um, if you actually want to prevent it, you don't need that screening exam because the stuff you're going to do is the funnel vent all four things that you would do for your health anyway. And those four things being is you're going to eat better. You are not going to eat all these refined processed foods, particularly the ones that are based in sugar, refined carbohydrates, etc. cetera. Uh, you're going to go more to, um, you know, plants. I, I'm not, a, a, I don't say people have to be a vegetarian. You can eat meat, etc. I don't even think fat's necessarily bad, but these refined processed foods will kill you. McDonald's, etc white breads, all that stuff that dissolves when you put it under, under the in the sink, under the water, uh, those are not good for you. And if you really want to prevent something, you would start changing your diet. The other thing that you're going to do is you're going to start exercising. Yes, exercise. Because if you do have some degree of this squeezing of these arteries, uh, what you are doing when you're exercising is not only providing better arterial health, but you're also developing new little what we'd call collaterals. You start making new little uh, arteries around some of these blockages it's, it, over time um, and that collateralization can actually help your survival if something happens to one of those big vessels. All right, So you're going to exercise. The other thing that you're going to do is you're going to quit smoking because we absolutely know that smoking accelerates vascular disease. It makes atherosclerosis worse, increases your risk of all sorts of horrible, awful things. In fact, if you wanted to do just one step, if you're a smoker, it would be to actively quit smoking. Is it hard? Yes, it is hard. Is it impossible? Absolutely not. It, any, you can quit smoking. There are tools designed to help you. Uh, it's a process. And a big thing is to not just, you know, and it takes people, last time I read this, I can't remember, five to seven times sometimes uh, to attempt to quit smoking and to finally successfully do it. So the big part, big part, other big part about it is actually persistence and recognizing that if you do uh, you know, you've stopped smoking and you relapse again. It is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that you are hopeless or that you can't do anything about it. It just means you, you, you use that, that opportunity to learn what was it. Were you in a situation around where, um, you know, you kind of put yourself in a situation where you weren't ready for it. Like some people, uh, you know, go to bars and then they get used to smoking. Well, in that situation, avoid the bars. Um, if there is a strong habitual component to your smoking, got to jump out of that habit by starting something else. Um, but, you know, using that, using those past, uh, what we call previously failures as a learning opportunity so that you can, so you can successfully do it in the future. All right. So again, for smoking, you quit. Um, other things that you would look at is, you know, when we talk about is stress reduction. Now, I have talked about stress more than once on this podcast, and I could probably talk about it every week because it really is. It's without a doubt one of the most or the most important aspects of health to take care of um, and it's very broad because what stress does stress is basically a response or you know you, you is a perception to an event all right and that event can be physical if i you know you break your leg you will generate a stress response or if i put you in a threatening situation um you know or you're in a dark alley and someone's threatening you with a knife that will generate a stress response your body doesn't really perceive them any differently at least your brain doesn't, and it still generates the stress response. What the stress response does, if it's a chronic stress response, it starts doing inflammation, and, and chronic inflammation will actually worsen, you know, arterial thickening and this atherosclerotic disease. 
uh, it re- increases wear and tear on your body. So stress reduction, and I have episodes on some of the simpler methods for that, and uh, etc., is crucial. Now, if you do those, meaning, again, you eat right, you avoid those processed foods, you are exercising consistently, and I'm going to probably do a future episode on what that means. It doesn't necessarily, you don't have to do running 10 miles a day, et cetera. All you have to do is something, getting up out of your chair every hour, five to 10 minutes, walking around, 30-minute walk every day, et cetera. Uh, even not even 30-minute walk. Okay, more, some exercise is better than no exercise. More exercise is better than little exercise. And you just kind of reach it over time. But if you're eating right, if you're exercising, you're avoiding smoking if you, uh, if you don't smoke, or if you are a smoker, you're really concentrating that as your number one step is to stop smoking. It is possible. You can do it. I know you can. I know, I know you can. All right. You got to believe in yourself when it comes to this. And then the last one is really the, the stress management, which is again, huge. There's all sorts of different ways to do it, but start with something simple. All right. That, that right there, those four things are in all realistic ways. That is, is the only way we prevent bad health things from happening to you, okay? It is not from the surgeries we do. It is not from the drugs that we give you. Those are not preventative. And so if you're going to use one of these screening tests because you want to prevent something from happening, bypass it and start with what we know is true prevention, which is your lifestyle and behavior, what you put in your body through the foods you eat, the activity and exercise that you put through your body through to keep it moving, the stress so that we reduce that inflammatory process and the hard, you know, the, the wear and tear on our bodies over time and avoiding things that will, will make things worse for our bodies, such as smoking. Okay. That is true prevention. All right. Drugs don't prevent anything. Surgeries don't prevent anything. All they are is basically things that are done to you um, as a I, I, I can't even use the, the, the right expression with these things. Do we need surgeries? Yes, we do at times. Okay. We use surgeries be to correct something that, that is at a high rate of risk. Okay. Meaning something that we, where you, that trying to do changing lifestyle behavior either isn't effective for. So if you have a, a shattered leg and that we need to put those bones back together. All right. Uh, interestingly, we put those bones back together. Those bones eventually will grow back together, not because of the, not, it's not the surgery that makes them grow back together. It's your body that heals them. The surgery basically just aligns it up and allows your body to do what it's naturally supposed to be doing, which is to heal. All right. But the, the surgeries for, you know, atherosclerosis, et cetera, you, you know, some people need them. If you've had a stroke or if you're symptomatic, you're, you're having symptoms, uh, and your doctor's concerned about it, then in that situation, if it's, if, if it's, I hate the word, use life or death, then you use that surgery to prevent death from occurring, or at least trying to prevent it from occurring in that limited time span. But if you want to actually prevent it, and certainly if you want to recover from that process, you go back to the behavioral and lifestyle change. All right, so I have uh, been kind of hammering on this and I know I'm probably missing someone's questions out there because the other thing I did when I went through this is I kind of looked at the arguments. And this is, you know, other people have talked about that. Other physicians have talked about that, arguing that, um, 
these preventive screening exams really are, are a scam in most ways, and they certainly aren't helping people. And the name calling is is quite um, prominent. Uh, some of it from doctors, but probably from patients. And I think there's a there's a misunderstanding out there, really coming down to the point of what is the point of prevention. And people are saying, well, you're this is really good medicine because it's preventing anything. And I'm telling you, these screening exams don't prevent anything at all. That if really the only prevention that you could do if you had a positive screening test for almost any of these screening tests are behavioral and lifestyle changes. And the evidence does not really point to the fact that if you have one of these positive tests, that somehow that's remarkably going to change your behavior. There's a lot of people that have heart attacks and continue to smoke afterward. There's a lot of people that have had gastric bypass surgeries because of obesity that become obese again. Because they none of those fundamentally address changing the habits and developing healthy lifestyle uh, to support that. And um, oftentimes I think a lot of us go around looking for a trigger, hoping that if we, you know, we get, well, I'm just going to do whatever I normally do. I know I should be eating right. I know I should be exercising, but I feel good. And if I get that screening exam um, and it tells me I'm, my, my arteries are all thick and, and I'm at risk, then, then I'll change. That's silly. (laughs) Okay. Because first of all, (laughs) the likelihood of you actually changing simply over that test. Again, you are not feeling any different. You're physically not feeling any different. You're just going to have this test done because, again, you have no symptoms. We're talking asymptomatic screening. Uh, There really isn't any data that says that changes behavior. It doesn't seem to. Are there a few outliers? Yes. There's also outliers that, you know, just get sick of being, you know, sick and tired and change their life that way. But you don't, if you're looking for a screening test to change your life and improve your health and make you you're healthier over time so that you can live a long, full life and stave off all these chronic diseases, uh, or at least delay the onset and certainly, de- you know, improve your, your life with them. And that includes everything from atherosclerosis, car- cardiovascular disease to Alzheimer's disease, as we talked about in a previous episode, then what you're going to do is you're going to focus on behavioral and lifestyle. And uh, maybe we should do an episode about how to effectively do that in the future as well. So anyway, if you see these screening exams, again, if you're not having symptoms, uh, you know, and generally if you are having symptoms, you have seen a doctor in the past, um, stay away from them. (laughs) Okay. They're really not, they, they are expensive. You're paying out of pocket for these. And again, $50. I, I'm glad my mom only paid 50 bucks because that's the cheapest I've ever seen. But sometimes they're charging $200 for these things. Again, they don't change what you would be doing anyway. If you want to prevent this bad things from happening to you, um, they can increase a lot of anxiety uh, when you were told you have something that, again, you're not develop, you're having symptoms from. This is similar to MRIs and back pain in some ways, which I think I've talked about in past episodes. Uh, you know, that, that idea of anxiety and that idea of of, um, of these planting seeds in your head is not just woo-woo. There's, there's some significant evidence behind it and is much more concerning than we think. Um, but if Stay, just stay away from this stuff, okay? If you if you are having symptoms, obviously, if you are, you know, if your doctor is monitoring you for for uh, previous stroke-like symptoms or transient ischemic attacks, that's a different story. If you're having abnormal heartbeats, that's a different story. If you have other risk factors for these other things that are being done, 
again, that's a different story. But if you are in general, you feel healthy, you don't have any symptoms, and you're just uh, you're just concerned about preventing something from happening, these tests don't do it. Uh, and that just actually reminded me something uh, else that I'm just going to add in here is a lot of times the people who are, and this is antidote. This is just my own little. Uh, experience here having seen some of this stuff and, and done some things like screening type things in the past is the people who are most investigated or invested in getting the screening exams are already people who are pretty invested in their health overall and so uh and they're it, which is fantastic that they're already taking an active role in taking care of themselves you these screening tests aren't going to help you do that anymore okay they may make you you may feel better having them done particularly if it's again if it shows nothing's there that still doesn't mean you're not going to get a stroke they can provide us offset false sense of security if they do show something it's really not going to change what the management is um so save your money on something else uh, like i have some good books i'll recommend in a prior episode or in, a, in, an, in another episode all right everybody yeah uh, wow this was a little bit longer than i anticipated I wasn't planning on talking too long, but until next time. Oh, wait, one more time. If there's questions about this, if you are confused about this, particularly when it comes to this idea of preventive screening, all right, and why a lot of these preventive screening exams for people who are not having symptoms are not good for us as a society and generally us as an individual please go to straightshothealth.com. There's a contact There's a contact form there. You can either sign up for the, uh, the newsletter or there's really there's a little box you can just click uh, if you want to do it that way and let me know because I, I want people to understand this stuff so that you can make good choices. I'm not saying if you really want to do this and you're like, you know what, Dr. Kukaro, you're absolutely nuts. I think I should have this done and I'm going to pay for it um, because, again, this is your money you're spending on it then do it. But I, I'm just trying to give you the the best information out there so that you can take an active role in your health because you could really take that 50 bucks or that $200. And if you're, if you're worried about prevention, prevention and you're having trouble with diet or you're having trouble with exercise or you're having trouble with stress management, take that money to help you deal with those lifestyle and behavioral issues so you can learn effective modalities to treat yourself rather than waste it on a screening exam, which has not been demonstrated to improve anybody's outcomes. Um, has uh, been associated with some harm with that um, and can in some situations just give you a false sense of security. All right. And with that all being said again, (laughs) thanks so much for joining me and I will talk to you all again soon. Be well.